Are you a movie buff? A horror fan? If so, then US Dish is looking for you. One lucky fan will be selected to watch 13 films based on Stephen King's most chilling novels. The winner will be given a survival kit including a blanket, flashlight, popcorn, candy, some Stephen King swag, a Fitbit monitor to monitor your heart rate, and of course, $1,300, plus a movie theater gift card to your choice of either It Chapter 2 or the upcoming sequel to The Shining, Dr. Sleep. Go to usdish.com and select Want $1,300 to watch 13 movies at the top of the page. No purchase necessary. See full rules of entry at usdish.com. Welcome to the Pop Goes the Culture podcast for Friday, September the 27th, last show in the month of September, guys. I am one of your hosts, Joey Mills, with the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. Joining me today in the room, I've got... Kata Curtis. We are just a few folks from the Midwest, talking pop culture news, telling stories, taking your comments, and whatever else pops into our heads. What's been going on this past week or so, fellas? Well, for me, it's just getting back to work again and... Trying to squeeze some of that in between the other stuff I've got going on. So that's been nice. I'm like, oh, I've missed you so much. What, making money? Yes. <laughs> cash? <laughs> yes, it's nice making <laughs> cash again. But Curtis, you've been prepping for uh, stuff for this Sunday, haven't you? Yeah, I've been uh, practicing. We're doing a showcase, my uh, acting classes, and uh, it's at the Blue Room Comedy Club this Sunday at 6 o'clock. That's the one attached to billiards, right? Yeah, it's attached yeah. to billiards there, uh, right next to the shrine. And so, that's at 6 o'clock? It's at 6 o'clock. You guys come on down, watch us perform some scenes, some comedy scenes, some weird stuff. So, yeah, it'll be <laughs> fun. Turn the lights down, I, I order been, some drinks. Pour some drinks. Nice. I've, I've been juggling that and writing for the Hawks web series. And, <laughs> it's been a stressful week, but yeah. yeah, it's going good, though. Good. Well, let's jump into this week's entertainment pop culture news. Batman Day was last Saturday, September, September the 21st. I don't know how we didn't mention that last yeah. week. But one of those things where we had a lot of stuff to cover, and somehow it slipped. I, uh, I actually saw that, and I was <laughs> like, wow. We didn't okay. talk about that at all, did we? Uh, DC Comics took the occasion to announce the new creative team taking over the Batman comic title next January. James Tinian will be scripting the title with Tony S. Daniel on pencils and covers, Danny Mickey on inks, uh, Tom Mori on colors the team takes over starting with batman number 86 which comes out january 8th 2020 current writer tom king's run ends with number 85 if you pay attention to this stuff at all you may know that he had planned on being there through issue 105 i believe and dc decided to pull him after 85 because of sales numbers it's one of those things i saw a graph somebody had taken the previous batman writer scott snyder and they showed his three-year run and they showed the graph and they pulled up tom king's almost three-year run and put them side by side and while snyder's had a higher number overall the graph was exactly the same i mean you know you get a new writer and then people really start to dig it after a while and then after they've been there for a couple years it starts to go downhill so um which i know some folks are digging his run and others folks aren't but it is what it is at some point people want as much as comic fans say they don't want anything to change 
the numbers, <laughs> the dollars <laughs> yeah. show that after a couple of years, they're ready for somebody to change things up. The funny thing was on Saturday, Jason Aaron, who's the writer on Marvel's Thor comic, he added his tweet to the mix for Batman Day because all the DC folks are Batman Day, hashtag Batman Day, Batman Day, Batman oh. Day, hashtag Batman Day. Oh, Jason Aaron put on Twitter, quote, Enjoy your one little day a year, Batman. Last I checked, Thor gets his own every bore damned week. That's <laughs> Thor's day, what we call Thursday. Yep. So, very nice. Throw a little shade, a little shade between Marvel and DC. It's always fun. Yeah, yeah. Batman's had a really good couple of years lately. You know, yeah, it's, it's been right around the whole 80th anniversary thing, and yeah, uh, it's, it's and the Batman big. who laughs, and the, a couple of the other storylines yep. have Batman's been really metal. good ones. The gotten, Batman who laughs looks great. I haven't had a chance, but I've seen it advertised. Yeah, it, yeah. if nothing else, just the whole design character design yeah yeah the art that i've seen from it i i regret not picking those up as you went uh, yeah released the guy that's the artist on that what's his name uh is it capullo still i know he did the dark knight's metal which is where they originally i thought his name was like jock it started with a j or something but i was watching bonus features for annihilation and i think it's the same guy that did the storyboards for annihilation yeah that came up with a lot of the weird, crazy stuff that was in the movie. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, those guys were fun when we saw the. Did you go to that panel? No, you were. No, I was panel. busy. I was yeah, I was working yeah. <laughs> at the time. Yeah, we went to that panel. Oh, and uh, I did. Yeah, it was Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder and Jonathan Glapian, I think. Yeah. yeah. And those guys were a hoot. I was like, man, I'm glad we showed up for this. It, Cause I didn't know anything about it. Odin's like, oh, you, this is good. This, this is going to be a really good one. And he was right. I was like, oh wow. Yeah. The uh, whole, yeah, the whole Dark Knights metal thing was a big deal. Yeah. Back in when it was out a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, whatever it was. Also on Saturday, some sad news: actor Sid Haig passed away at the age of 80 years old. Yeah. He had been hospitalized after a fall earlier this month, but he has been fairly sick for yeah. a while now. It's one of those things where, yes, he fell, and that was probably what pushed him over. But he fell because he hadn't been well. That's I think a poor choice of words there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's you do what you can. <laughs> yeah, he's, been, he's been bad for a past a couple of years. One. It seems like. So. Yeah, I love Sid Haig. Yeah, he. Yeah. One of the best things about it, though, is a lot of people are realizing how much he's done. He's was done was a it? Lot. I and I forget because this shit runs together in my head. Was it on? You listened to the uh, Backlot show we yeah. did this week. Was was that where David was talking about Spider Baby? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was before we started recording or if that was during <laughs> the show. <laughs> there are things we talked about before the recording. I know that we didn't make it to the show, but but yeah, he's been in a lot and he's been around for a long time. Yeah, maybe had bit parts in Tarantino movies. He's had a lot of. Yeah. For a while, he had a lot of bit parts and cameos and guest stars on like all kinds of TV shows that. If you go back to his IMDb page, you're like, what the hell? I don't remember him in this. And it's like, oh, yeah, he was that one guy in that one episode. Yeah, and most people you, just... You, you, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you see him without the clown makeup. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. That's what I was saying. You know, everybody kind of knows him from that. Like, the newer generation kind of knows him from that. But it's like, no, he's been doing it for a while. <laughs> yeah. So so they're discovering some of that. And I hope they keep discovering it for a little while. Yeah. Just to be like, oh, okay. Don't remember the man who has been sickly the past couple of years. Remember the great 
the things that he did. Yeah, he wasn't a A-list movie right. star, but he still yeah. was there. You know, he was plugging along, making everything he yep. did that much better. And it, you know, and it makes sense. I didn't know that he was ill. I mean, I knew he was getting up there. Yeah, but when you watch the new Three from Hell trailer, he's just barely in it, and it's yeah. so it's marketed with some other guy with the yeah. other two and i was like oh yeah apparently uh reading the story in the interviews prior to his passing even but yeah rob zombie had said that he just wasn't well they couldn't get him to come out so they had to replace captain spaulding with this other character but they did get him for like a day or two so yeah. he will be in the film when it releases next year um just won't have the substantial role that i think we all i mean when you heard three from hell we you immediately were expecting yeah. it to be him and bill mosley and sherry and yeah, sherry zombie yeah the 71st Emmy Awards were held last Sunday night. Mm. Last week's pop quiz, we asked which first-time Emmy nominee from HBO's Game of Thrones had the best chance of winning an Emmy. For those of you that are paying attention, here's how the results panned out. No one voted for Carice Van Houten, which I don't... That's not a surprise, because we looked at who they were yeah. up against, and it was all legends in yeah, their field. That's a tough one. <laughs> it's almost one of those things where it's like, we like you, but... These other people, we can't really <laughs> step on toes. You know when they say it's just an honor to be nominated? That's kind of what we're hoping you walk away <laughs> yeah, with exactly. because there's no way you're losing or winning over these. No. Uh, 16% voted for Sophie Turner. And then splitting the vote with 42% each were Alfie Allen and Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> None of the four won, so no. it doesn't really matter. But of the four, those two had the most... Uh, what our listeners and voters felt like had the best chance to win. Yeah. Uh, winners from the 71st Emmy Awards included Billy Porter, who became the first openly gay black man to win for an outstanding lead actor in a drama series for FX's Pose. So there's your history-making moment. Nice. Game of Thrones took home the Emmy for outstanding drama series. Peter Dinklage won the supporting actor in a drama who Emmy. I knew was going to win that one. Hasn't he won pretty much every season that Game of Thrones has been on? Probably. I, I mean, for me, he's my personal favorite Yeah, he's everybody's oh, personal that. favorite so, yeah. And some people have given me grief over that. They're like, oh, you just like him because everybody's like, no. I oh, he's the best actor on the show. I love Peter Dinklage. I, he's got the he's best lines. Yeah. He's, yeah. So... But, yeah, I was like, that's a no-brainer. He was going to win. And then multiple Emmy Award wins for a few of shows got multiple wins. Saturday Night Live, which, I mean, it's their category, so you kind of... <laughs> yeah, they got a couple wins. Last week tonight with John Oliver, the best of kind of the late-night talk shows. Yeah, yeah I was kind of surprised that he... Didn't he win two of them? Yeah, they won yeah. at least two, yeah. One of the guys that's on his writing staff was a member of Cracked. You remember Cracked yeah. on YouTube? Yep. Uh, he did, uh, Dan, Dan O'Brien. Yeah. Daniel O'Brien, he did Obsessive Pop culture disorder yep and i was just like watching him I was like oh that's Daniel wait a minute yeah, yeah exactly. i looked him up he's like he's a writer yeah and it's, it makes so and much it makes sense. yeah now you yeah yeah absolutely when you see those things you're like now it's kind of clicking uh the marvelous mrs mizell over on amazon chernobyl from hbo and ozark with a couple of wins uh, I think they had the younger girl won the best supporting actress, and then uh, Jason Bateman won the director award. Yeah, I was, oh, I saw that, and I was like, "Good for you!" Yeah, because uh, you didn't win anything else. Yeah, so, yeah. Hey. I, I just like Jason Bateman, yeah. his whole career too. So yeah. it's kind of neat that he's get, getting something for that for the you directing know? Yeah. more so than anything else. Yeah, uh, the big winner on the night, of course, though, was the Amazon series Fleabag, which took home a ton of Emmys. I didn't even look to see how many, including best comedy series, lead actress in a comedy, comedy director, comedy writing. That's not the big win, though. 
Mm-mm. Two days following the Emmys, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, the creator of Fleabag and Killing Eve, which also won an Emmy on the night, signed an exclusive deal with Amazon Studios to develop new series for Amazon. The deal is estimated to be worth about $20 million a year. So, yeah, the hardware is nice. It's cool to walk out with a trophy, but that $20 million a year contract is the win right <laughs> yeah. there. And that's, that's, that's Amazon what you what needed you that because yeah. they've they've got fun stuff like I love their Tick series. The second season of that's it, it was really was good. It, yeah. yeah, they've got the the boys, boys and they've got a they couple had good of, omens. Yeah, and even the Jean Claude Van Damme one yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> right, I don't know if that was what their intent was, but it is. Yeah. So I mean, they've got some stuff that they're starting to get that ball rolling. So with this. Maybe that, you know, we're going to see a lot lot more stuff like, you know. Yeah. Arrow Season 8 is being used, apparently, in part, to set up a new series at the CW. The series will be centered on the Canaries of the Flash Forward timeline, which include Catherine McNamara (laughs) as Mia Smoke, Katie Cassidy as Laurel Lance from Earth 2, and Juliana Harkavay as Dinah Drake. One episode from Arrow's 10-episode, eighth season, will serve as a backdoor pilot for the series. So so, that so we've got that one less episode of Arrow. What's that? So that future thing? That is future there? thing will be a new series. Really? On the CW at some not, future date. Not my favorite part. No, not good at all. But, I mean... Maybe I, if they develop it as a series, it'll be better. Because yeah. it was just kind of shoehorned in, and it really did not... It, it was not entertaining. It, not and I thing. get it why they treat it kind of like an afterthought, but right. they're towards the last. They're really starting to, I was like, they're really kind of showing us like, okay, this is setting up stuff for the crisis and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I was like, but, but it, it seemed didn't. like, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, when you say that, I'm like, oh, I, I don't know about that, but I guess they're, <laughs> they're going to do it. So I guess they're sticking with the flash forwards a little bit throughout the season and then one episode will ju- of the 10 i mean you don't have much to play with but yeah. apparently one episode will be the hey here is the show you're going to get next fall yeah all right just don't <laughs> screw up black lightning cw that's all i ask <laughs> you know who's not going to be on arrow or the upcoming crisis on infinite earth's crossover who's that michael rosenbaum who played uh lex lex luther yeah. on smallville or you know allison mack yeah, I'm guessing she will <laughs> yeah. not. I'm going to guess like, she's not going to make it either unless she can get out on parole. Or well, they could do a prison scene. They, they could. <laughs> could be like Orange is the New Mac. Uh, I made that joke once. <laughs> yes, you did. I stole it. <laughs> I will blatantly stole it from you it's okay. while you're sitting here. Uh, yes, Tom Welling will be back as Clark Kent. Erica Durant will be back as Lois Lane. Rosenbaum took to social media to explain why he is not going to be a part of the crossover. He says, quote, Friends, many of you have tweeted and asked me about joining the Infinite Crossover. I can't tell you how much this means to me. I'll be straight (laughs) up about this. WB, Warner Brothers, called my agents Friday afternoon while I was in Florida visiting my grandfather in a nursing home. Their offer, no script, no idea what I'm doing, no idea when I'm shooting, basically no money, and the real kick in the ass, we have to know now. My simple answer was pass. I think you understand why. I hope this answers all of your questions lovingly. Rosenbaum. Hmm. Yeah, if they don't tell you what you're going to do, they just want you there, and they're not going to pay you much for it. <laughs> you have to yeah. drop everything and be there. You don't know when you have to drop everything and be there. You just have to know that you're going to have to be there. And he's got a lot of stuff going on besides oh, yeah, his own podcast. Yeah. He's got several other things he does. So, I mean, for him to be like, 
Yeah, he can't just. He's like, I'm not sitting here twiddling my thumbs, boys. I got yeah. stuff going it's on. It's like my grandpa's in a nursing home. I mean, yeah. you're not going to pay me much? Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Help a brother out. Impact Wrestling is moving to AXS on Tuesday, October the 1st. That's next Tuesday. The first few shows will be re airings of their 2019 pay per views with new programming starting on Tuesday, October the 29th. For the wrestling fan out there, that gives us this lineup every week. Monday nights, you got Raw on USA, mm-hmm. and you've got Ring of Honor over on Fight TV if you have a Roku or internet-connected device. They've announced the new Raw commentary team. Now they're shaking things up with the whole move, the SmackDown and stuff. Okay, and, uh, It's going to be Vic Joseph, who I guess started at NXT and did some of the 205 live stuff. Yeah. Dio Madlin, or Madden, excuse me, and Jerry the King Lawler, with Jerry Lawler there just to kind of get it relaunched and then yeah. eventually moving out of that role. Yeah. So Tuesday night, you got impact on AXS and WWE backstage, which is a new studio show on FS one starting on Tuesday, November the 5th. That features Booker T and Renee young in the studio, talking with some of the wrestlers and watching clips, kind of, kind of the Sunday night heat show used to be yeah. where it's like, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's been going on. And they'll be wrestling on Monday. So be sure to tune in, you know, Booker T like when he's doing podcasts and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. Like I like listening to him, yeah. but when he's doing the commentary or he's trying to do something professional, like, yeah, professional, yeah. it's like, oh my god, it's, it's like, like they nails take on all the chalkboard. Yeah. Man. They take all the personality out of him. Yeah, and, yeah. Wednesday nights is the big Ballyhooed NXT on USA and AEW on TNT. NXT is keeping its current commentary team, so there's no change there. Yeah. Uh, Friday nights, so nothing on Thursday nights. You got a night off. Friday nights, SmackDown on Fox. Their new commentary team will be not all that new. Michael Cole and Corey Graves uh, will be the commentary team for SmackDown, which you talk about nails on chalkboard. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will say though, Corey Graves, since they've been doing a, they're not doing like an Attitude Era type right, thing, but, but they're, they're moving a little loosey goosey yeah. with it. There's some of the things he said that's pretty funny, oh, yeah. Yeah. but still not enough to be like, yeah, keep that commentary going. <laughs> yeah. And then Saturday nights, they have uh, Women of Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling on AXS. AEW does their monthly pay-per-view on Saturday nights. Sunday nights will be the monthly WWE pay-per-view. So there's a lot of nights of wrestling again. It kind of feels yeah. like ye olden days. I was when just going to say. ECW on Friday nights and yeah. TNT and... TBS and USA thing. and all that stuff. Still no word on Lucha Underground Season 5. That thing's a hot mess. Yes, it everybody, is. <laughs> everybody just kind of slowly backing away. Well, after they uh, they changed it up, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Warner Media, which owns TNT and TBS and True TV and more, is negotiating with AEW for a second network show. It would be a studio show similar to the WWE Backstage and DC Comics, which is also owned by Warner Media, recently announced a deal with AEW, although they have not said what that deal entails, if it's going to be a comic book series following character, you know, because the WWE's got one over at Boom or somebody Impact yeah. or the Dark Horse somewhere. I don't know. Oh, I wonder if they'll try to do, uh, well, I guess he can't use that character anymore. Never mind, but maybe they'll come up with something else that, uh, oh, whatever his character, uh, Cody's was in. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like a star man or something. I yeah. don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and that should tell you all you need to know about yeah. that character if you can't remember. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Disney Plus is available for pre-order for everybody now. If you haven't signed up yet, you can now pre-order your Disney Plus. Everybody, They're trying to remind you about it every week. So. Yeah, well, you know, they like to throw those <laughs> commercials out there. 
spending a lot of money on that marketing. They are. Which, if you're Disney and you got all the money, why the hell not? Yeah. They have all the money. They kind of do. <laughs> they kind of don't need anybody else's money because they do kind of have all the money. Like, it's going to be come to Disney's World Bank. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Disney, I could use a loan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Disney, I'd like to refinance my house. Uh, the Ghost Rider series is not moving forward yeah, at Hulu. Yeah, I read that. The series would have had actor uh, Diego Luna reprising the role of Robbie Reyes, as previously depicted on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that would have been awesome. A creative impasse is being cited as the reason for the series cancellation. Money. It's too many flaming heads. Yeah, <laughs> we can't we can't afford all of these flaming skulls. I loved him as the Ghost Rider. He was so good. And I, I was really looking forward to that, and I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, that's too bad. Sorry about that, folks. Borderlands 3 is the fastest-selling video game in publisher 2K's history, even in spite of the game only being available on the PC through the Epic's Game Store, which I don't understand why people still throw that out as a bad thing, because they Fortnite, everybody's got Epic Game Store on their PC because <laughs> if they play games, because Fortnite. So, you know, yeah, you could, I mean, Blizzard has its own launcher and steam yeah. yeah just because it's not on steam doesn't mean that people can't find it I right know. i don't understand why we have to continue to throw that in as a caveat every time we have a story about a game on the epic game store disney owned marvel studios head kevin feige has been tapped by disney owned lucasfilm to develop a star wars movie hmm. thoughts on kevin feige putting together a star wars right now just they're just saying movie I think but. they just I think they just want him to be a part of something and that's just gonna create the magic. Right. And they're I, desperate. Yeah. I don't what I don't that? see it. It's a different world. I mean, not to be I, right. I don't know, like he he's very much T V and movie guy and he loves Marvel, everything Marvel. So yeah. that's why it's worked. Right. <laughs> Apparently he loves Star Wars. He said yeah. he says he loves Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and he's kind of hoping he gets to play with those toys. He has said that, word is, that he has a an actor from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in mind that he would like to make a Star Wars movie <laughs> around. <Don't> he- <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> or <laughs> he won't say who, but he's got something in mind. Chris, <laughs> you know, or Sam Jackson. You know, it's like, oh, hey, you know what? We're just gonna do the Mace Windu shit. There you go. And we're just gonna turn him loose. No, he um, didn't die. You know, it's a prequel. Uh, but yeah, they. It seems like Disney Lucasfilm has since Solo did not live up to expectations. They have listed off a whole name. Anybody who's who of Hollywood <laughs> has been attached at some point to a new Star Wars thing, and nothing is moving forward. The only thing that's in production, and it's not even in, it's in, well into post production, is the new one that we're getting in December. There's no script in place for any of these other things. It's almost like they're like, "Hey, don't forget about us. We're going to be doing something down the road. We don't know what yet, but it's going to be made by somebody you like, and they're going to." Do stuff. I don't know. Mace Windu, a motherfucking Star Wars story. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I would watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you got, it's kind of a th- weird thing. You know, if it would have been pre these last, 
you know, two going right. on three, and then pre-solo. Right. I think there would be a more excitement about it. But after the whole stink, and you know, we love solo. Right. But there was a stink on it. Right. And then there's a stink <laughs> on the last two coming up. Even the third one's getting crap for right a trailer. But it's like people are kind of like, I love it. I would love to get my hands on it, but I want them want yeah. to clean up a little bit before. Well, the fact they're releasing this news today when we are, what are we, two and a half months out from the new Star Wars movie? Yeah. Makes you wonder why they don't save this movie until after, or save this news until after this next movie, unless they have a feeling like we're going to need to give them something to get excited about because we don't feel confident about the movie, maybe. I don't know. It's kind of odd timing. Yeah. This trailer that they had before, I went and saw the first or last blood and they had uh, the Star Wars trailer right. that, that's been out, but it seems like it feels like they added a couple more things to the trailer. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, wait a minute, I don't remember because I watched the, the nude scene. Huh? The nude scene? Is yeah. What you're talking about? Yeah. yeah Kyle <laughs> no, no, no. It was all CGI. <laughs> that bush was CGI. <laughs> no, that, that was, was real. Everything else now. <laughs> And we're all going to hell for that. All right. <laughs> we better move on. I apologize. <laughs> Supernaturals, Jared Padalecki is set to star in a Walker, Texas Ranger reboot for CBS. <laughs> I know. That's, <laughs> because, you know. Well, that, I've seen not? that story and I was like, hey, I finally have a story to talk about that I saw. So I was like, God, Joey beat me to it again. Damn. Oh, well, you could I could have pulled it and saved it for you. That's all right, <laughs> as long as he gets the roundhouse kicked down. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Why do you touch something like Walker? I mean, Walker Texas Rangers not a classic. Nobody loves that show. Dude, but you don't replace you, Chuck Norris in a movie. Well, it's not, I, it's not saying nobody. I do enjoy okay, Walker. I, I work in nursing homes. Old <laughs> they people love, the love Walker. Between that and Matlock, my guy. All Matlock, <laughs> yeah. Murder She Wrote. They watch all that shit. Oh, that's how I the got Waltons. to walk in. My grandma and grandpa loved that and that's how i started watching it. i was like well chuck norris you got me a chuck norris i'll yeah. check it out and the most recent thing that they like was walker texas ranger <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, that new show you know <laughs> but chuck norris it yeah what? jag <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh jag too that's another one <laughs> it got me back into jag it's weird <laughs> awesome <laughs> oh god that's scary. <laughs> I bought all the seasons. <laughs> I, I don't have anything, anything newer than the 90s. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. What the hell is this? It's like Jack. It's a spinoff. <laughs> what, what fresh hell is this? They all got those small cell phones. And... <laughs> all right. Jeffrey Wright and Jonah Hill are joining Robert Pattinson in The Batman. Jeffrey Wright will play Commissioner Gordon. I like that. That's a good move. Yeah. While Jonah Hill is set to play an undisclosed villain. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think he's playing the penguin. You see, I could have, I would have been all in on the penguin five yeah, a few years, years ago. ago. He's yeah. too skinny now to play the penguin. He's still got that weird big head. Can he? Yeah. Are they doing like Eggman? Because <laughs> he's kind of oh, got that wow. big egg head on him. Egghead. Yeah. The, I, are there you go. <laughs> when, I, when I heard that, I was like, I hope because like we've seen enough scarecrow, we've seen enough penguin, we've right. seen enough of these people. I want to see a more obscure, not so obscure like Condiment King or you know. Oh no, I'd like to see Condiment King on screen. Uh, me too. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I mean for Jonah Hill to play, and let, I don't know, Jonah Hill may be like, yeah, that's that's the only way I'm signing <laughs> yeah. if I can be. But I mean, there's some good like C level right people that could pop up that I. 
I don't know. I want to see him play somebody else. Or I guess he could be a voice for something. I, yeah, they could always CGI some shit. Yeah. He's on a monopia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, I was thinking. That's that'd, like be a a, great, that'd be a good role for him because be you don't have to listen to his ass. But it's it, that's a hard one to put on screen, I think. Because yeah. I'm reading the comics, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. But then like I'm visualizing it, and like, wow, he's just he just makes noises every time he m- does something. It's kind of And a lot of times he's not even making the noise. It's like some other text version of you know yeah somebody will open up a sheet of paper unfold it and it says you know bang on it or something they're like what (laughs) shoots him in the back of the head or whatever so but yeah apparently the film will be set based on in some way loosely or tightly i don't know on uh the long Long Halloween. halloween so if they do there's a chance for a lot of villains to have small roles um which you know the big villain in that story Spoiler, I guess, if you haven't read it, um, is not a role that Jonah Hill <laughs> necessarily would play because a couple of reasons. I mean, gender being one of them, but yeah, um, maybe he's Harvey Dent. See, I don't. Well, you know, I don't, I don't, that would be, be really not good. He he could still be like just a. Re- they have regular mob boss. People right. in Gotham, yeah, yeah. so he could just be a regular. He's Mar- Maroni, or yeah, or Falcone. Falcone. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't see him as either of those. That's the problem. Is I can't. He almost has to be a cartoonish type villain, just based on him. Mm-hmm. I think in my mind. Yeah. Now he could come out and do something spectacular and blow us away, and I'll be like, oh, well, I stand corrected. He was a great mob boss or whatever. Yeah. But in my head, it's like, <laughs> it's like you. Do like the whole parent trap thing and make him like Tweedledee and Tweedledum or something, you know? I don't know. It's just I can't see him as in a in a serious role. Yeah. Did you guys find anything else this week? I stole your Walker Texas Ranger. Anything else you guys found? No. Uh, actually, I came across this the other day. Um, John Carpenter is doing a Joker Year of the Villain. Yes. Comic book. Yes, he is. Uh, it, uh, him and Borderlands Two writer Anthony Birch are collaborating on a one shot. And it will tie into what is it? The Year of the Bane comic. It is year. Uh, it's Year of the Villain. Year is of the kind villain. of the whole thing they're doing with City Lex Luthor. City of Bane is the current arc in the Batman. Books. Basically, what their idea is is you know everything's gone crazy with Bane. Right. Bane, over. Bane's in charge of Gotham City and he's put the criminals in charge and he's replaced the cops with criminals. Yeah. And any type of criminal activity they're just going out and shooting people. So it's Gotham is like sane for once although they're scared to death. Yeah, and so Joker basically what they're going with is like Joker is a creates chaos everywhere he goes. What would it look like in a city where chaos is already reigning? So, how do you? How do you <laughs> like? Oh, that guy again! <laughs> how do you be the crazy guy that's surprising everyone when the world has already gone insane? Yep, sounds so, good. Yeah, anything John Carpenter touches is interesting, if nothing else. So. Right? Anybody find anything else? Are we um, good? I, I I said something in the yeah. You want chat. to talk about that? I mean, I. It's I, more I, of a kind of a publicity stunt as far is. as like, hey, here's this week of shows. ABC reunites cast members from TV and film with cast from the past week. And, Which is uh, fun. Sometimes they've done gimmicks like that. Other networks and ABC have in the past. I don't know that anybody immediately thinks, man, Blues Brothers 2000. Yeah, they could only get those guys back together. Like, really? <laughs> you're gonna, you're, Dan Aykroyd with John Goodman? I mean, you That's great. That's great. 
Dan Aykroyd on the Connors, I'm yeah, sure, is going to be fantastic. I'm sure it'll be great, but like, no one's thinking Blues Brothers. <laughs> I mean, if anything, they're like, why couldn't it have been like Jeff Bridges? Yeah, you know? exactly. Or, yeah, no, any number of, yeah. I guess um, Christy Alley, Rhea Perlman, John Ratzenberg, and George Wendt will have a Cheers reunion on the Goldbergs. Nice. And, uh, um, that'll be fun. That will be fun. But see, that's, the, yeah. The problem is like, okay, so it makes sense that they're putting Dan Aykroyd on the Connors because. John Goodman is a star on the Connors. But when you're throwing the Cheers cast on a show where there's not currently a Cheers cast member, yeah. it's more like it's just it's just a gimmick. <laughs> you know that what I mean? One, yeah, that but one's they've had, yeah, they have they've had they've guest had stars. Kid, yeah, they've done they've that. Yeah. Different things, but it's just so. like if, if they're talking about, look, we're reuniting casts, it feels like and then the the one that everybody points to, the leading the headline story was John Goodman and Dan Aykroyd are back working together again. Yeah. And then you say, and these people who have nothing in common with this group of folks here, yeah. but we're going to put them on their show. Yeah. But like, see, this one makes more sense. Like Lake Bell and her wet, hot American summer co-star Michael Ian Black will be on Bless This Mess. Right. Like that makes sense. They yep. work together. Yeah. She's a part of that show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a gimmick thing, but, but either way, I thought it was funny and like oh yeah blues brothers 2000 <laughs> yeah because that's the one everybody thinks of immediately yeah, i mean there was one good joke in that movie i'll butcher <laughs> it i don't want to say it but you know john goodman's delivery was amazing of it yeah Other, otherwise the movie you know, whatever it's forgettable well, dan Aykroyd showed up a lot on uh according to jim yeah and uh, Which, those were fun again makes sense yeah. because he's worked with but and but I, they didn't try to sell it as yeah hey no. look at this this is something special yeah. well i mean i guess he tried to get Jim Belushi in Blues Brothers 2000, but he was busy on a movie or some other yeah, project. Yeah, I forget so what it was, happen. but yeah, he was. Yeah, I've read the same. Which it makes sense more so than John Goodman, but whatever. Yeah, if he had though, would he still have played the same character? Would he played John's character? Or? I think he would have. Or I would don't he have been what it was? Because Dan Aykroyd wasn't the same character. No, he was the same character. No, he was still was Elwood. He? Yeah. Was he really? Yeah. He was Elwood. He just didn't act the same. Wow. I Elwood completely was... shut that out because that is a bad idea. Yeah, he, no. still, he still done, did that horrible uh, Chicago accent. No, he's still, right. No, he's still I, I, see, he was, I knew all that, but I did, for whatever reason, I blocked up the fact that he was supposed to be playing the same yeah, character. It, it just, he wasn't the same. No, he was that's, the same you, that's why you can't. Yeah, he, he, where he's more quiet and reserved in the first right. one, he was the goofball in the next one, and it yeah. didn't make sense at yeah. all. Maybe that's why, because it didn't make sense. I never connected. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. That's something else. <laughs> All right. Well, in other news, this story comes from Fernandina Beach, Florida. Yeah, Florida boys. man and woman in this case. That's all we need is here, Florida. Yep. Authorities say a man and woman who were stopped for drunken bicycling, which I didn't know was a, a would that be public intoxication? Because it's not a motor yeah. vehicle they're operating. I would say so. They were stopped for drunken bicycling in a Florida beach town, and then they went and had sex in the deputy's patrol car before one of them took off naked. <laughs> okay, okay, so drunken bicycling <coughs> stopped. Right. Both Dr- put in the patrol car. Drunken sex. Drunken drunken sex in the patrol car, and then one of them somehow gets out and runs off. Which is impressive. <laughs> yeah. 
if you've I, ever if been I slippery. <laughs> they had no, no clothes on. There's nothing to grab. Nassau County. There, there had to be like <laughs> they stopped. He got out, opened the door to like do something, <laughs> like turn the hose on, like two something. dogs in the backyard or something. I don't know. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know what? Though, good for, it's sad because I had a mental image of my yeah, father yeah. doing that. Turning the hose on. Yes. Like, Stop that! You, you know the way. You know, hey, they check something off their bucket list, so that you know, I guess. their bucket list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nassau County Sheriff's Office deputies last Friday arrested Aaron Thomas and Megan Monandaro. Both face charges of resisting arrest with violence. Ooh, they got physical. <laughs> apparently, yeah, apparently that was a turn on. I don't know. They resisted violence, arrested, sorry, resisted arrest with violence and then committing a lavicious act and exposing sexual organs. Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that makes it sound so less sexy, doesn't it? <laughs> the Florida Times Union reports a deputy was pat- patrolling Fernandina Beach. When he spotted the bicyclists almost get hit by a car. Well, that's, they almost got hit. They're not, they're the victims. They're not the ones at fault. They were drunk. <laughs> well, they, they <laughs> well, been know, riding but... <laughs> in the middle of the street, so we don't, we don't know. An arrest report says that after they were put into the squad car, squad car to await being taken to jail, they took off their clothes and started having sex. That's my favorite part. A, na- mean- a naked Thomas, and this is the guy, Aaron Thomas. A naked Thomas was removed from the cruiser, but fled. All Bronson style. <laughs> he he <laughs> himself up. He was later recaptured. Court records show no attorney for the two. Oh, well, we yeah. damn. Yeah, they're like, no. <laughs> we got it. We're, <laughs> We're pleading guilty. <laughs> uh, you want an attorney? I want Phil Kunstler. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they got us. There's DNA <laughs> on the back seat. It's not like we could say it wasn't us. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. That's my favorite Florida story now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new one, is it? That's <laughs> good. I'll just stop. <laughs> Before we get in trouble. All right. <laughs> well, let us know what you think are the top stories each and every week. If we use your suggestion, we'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming episode. Find us on social media by searching at PGTC. That stands for Pop Goes the Culture. Uh-oh. At PGTC Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or call and leave a recorded message on our hotline at 417-986-7842. We'd love to use your recorded message in an upcoming show. Links to those and more, including how to reach us by email if you do that. At popgoestheculture.com. Or Telegraph, if you do or that. Pigeon. You know, whatever. <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> you know, whatever it takes to get a message to us, we'll mm. receive it. Message in a bottle. Message in a bottle. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Game Expo Year 11 is coming to the Springfield Expo Center. The Gaming, Arts, Media, and Entertainment Expo will be held Friday, October 11th through Sunday, October 13th. It'll be a weekend full of tabletop gaming, cosplay, and more with guests of honor Satine Phoenix and Jennifer Ellis and Keith Baker of Together Studios. Dust off your lucky dice and get your tickets now at springfieldgame.com. All right, this weekend in pop culture history, September 27th, that's today if you're listening to this on Friday. Hey! September 27th, 1908, the Model T came out of Henry Ford's car factory. The Model T 0001, so the very first Model T rolled out of the factory September 27th. 1908. Have you worked on any T's at all? I have, and don't forget, you can have it in any color as long as it's black. 
<laughs> All right. That was their... That, that was, their that, thing? That was yeah. part of the marketing. You can have it in any color as long as it's black. Which Model T did they use in the absent-minded professor? I, I, did he have a Model T in that one? That was probably an A. Yeah? Yeah, that sounds right. Model Ts were the little smaller right. with the... Mm. Yeah, that's. I have worked on one. For those that can't see the hand signals yes, that we're given yes. <laughs> through the uh, through the sound of our voices. Yes, look up a Model T if you don't know what it is. <laughs> but uh, I got to work on. I worked on a bunch of A's. Right. And, but um, I knew that. I we did one T, and okay. they were because it was even earlier than the A. I mean, right. just. The technology was, I mean, it did leaps and bounds, but there was different things. And there, I like teas when they're done up like a what's called a tea bucket when they do a hot rod right. out of them. I like them when they're like that, but they're they're just like the A's when you're straightening metal. <laughs> you get a big hammer, and yeah, there you go. You got to have your BFH, which is a big fucking hammer, and that's uh, you whack the shit out of that. <laughs> get, if yeah. you think you're hitting it too hard, you're not, because yeah. that metal does not move, yeah. and the things are so, you know, they've been bolted for ninety years, and you know, it's just it's crazy. WD forty loosen them right up. <laughs> it does not loosen those right up. You got to take a blowtorch to them and heat them up multiple times, and bang on them and oh god it's, it's a mess but it's fun i loved it <laughs> yeah september 27th 1937 the first santa claus training school opened in albion new york huh which begs the question what happened in 1936 that made somebody decide we need to open a school to teach these people how to be santa claus <laughs> oh that's a great question <laughs> the great uh, santa debacle of 1936 okay, boys when we get all together again we gotta fix this we got some rules and regulations <laughs> exactly you're going to be certified if you're going to show up in a mall now we we have a charles rule now <laughs> yeah <laughs> billy bob thornton rolled in that's what happened <laughs> exactly uh, that's kind of wonder and september 27th 1954, The Tonight Show began broadcasting coast to coast on NBC. Wow. NBC. NBC. <laughs> I had not thought about that in a long time. NBC. Friday, September 27th, is also National Chocolate Milk Day. Everybody go get you a glass of chocolate milk. You can you know, do worse than a glass you know of chocolate what? milk. <laughs> that sounds really good, doesn't it? You know it? what I like right around this season? Uh, Highland sells chocolate peanut butter milk. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! I like my car was full of just like five or six empty bottles of those <laughs> cartons, and I, I'm addicted to that shit. Yeah, but I, I don't know if this is for you. Like, you know how you if you drink a thing of chocolate milk too fast, your belly's kind of like. Ooh, that, you should like, not have done that. Yeah, 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 the peanut butter one is even worse than that. <laughs> it is, it, but God, it's, it's so good. It's worth it. <laughs> It's good that. on the way down. Doesn't sit real well when it gets there. Is that what you're I'm saying? okay with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Birthdays this weekend. Happy birthday! Friday, September 27th. Singer, actor, man of many talents, Meatloaf, <laughs> Marvin Lee Aday turns awesome. 72 years old. His name is Robert Paulson. What? Why? What is that? Fight Club. Is that yes. is, okay? Yeah. His character on there. He got yeah. killed. I'd never think of him in Fight Club. That's another one I've shut out. His part's like the best part. Not the best part. This is Bob. Bob had bitch tits. I always, again, lock that out. (laughs) We need to rewatch that. Actress Gwyneth Paltrow turns 47. 
Well, in between <laughs> steaming her vagina. So, so, <laughs> so somebody on social media this week, I guess uh, Jenny McCarthy and Gwyneth Paltrow met at the on the red carpet at the Emmys. Somebody's like, science was just set back by fifty years. <laughs> that, was, that was funny. They had the picture of the two of them, and they're like, science just got set back fifty years. That was pretty. Funny. Oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> I mean, my question is, what is Jenny McCarthy doing there? She hasn't done anything. No, has exactly. What? Why was she? Well, because she's promoting. Because uh, it was on Fox, and so she's promoting. The mass singer, I think. yeah. Rapper Lil Wayne turns 37 years old, and who cares? And singer Avril Lavigne turns 35 years old. Oh, mm. she's still around, okay. Yeah, she just put 35. out a new album, did she? Like this past year. Well, there you go. I think she was naked on the cover. Well, we missed that. Yeah, well, it's okay. That's way to come back. <laughs> Saturday, September 28th, actress, model Brigitte Bardot turns 85 years old. One of the original sex kittens from France during <laughs> the during the sixties and seven. Oh yeah, she's eighty-five. I did not know that. Which one? What was Bridget Bardot. Bardot. Oh yeah, she Bridget, was okay. the man. She, she was, was in what else. was the, Yeah, there was a few films. Some of those French films. It's like Ooh. yeah, man. She was something else. Actor Jeffrey Jones turns seventy-three years old. Who's that? That is the guy who was the principal Rooney on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was yes. the. I think he was a bad guy in Howard the Duck. I block out Meatloaf in Fight Club, but I know Jeffrey Jones from Howard the Duck. There That's you go. Right. Says everything you need to know right there. Um, yeah, Jeffrey the, Jones. Yep, good for him. Yeah, the name was familiar. I just couldn't think of where he's from. I think he had some troubles a while back. He, he had a lot of troubles. <laughs> some actress, we <laughs> we're moving on. Actress Janine Garofalo turns fifty-five. Make you feel old. I can't stand her. Actress Mira Sorvino turns fifty-two. Oh. Actress Naomi Watts turns 51. Really? I would Jeez. not have picked that. She looks all right. Yeah. Burlesque artist Dita Von Tees turns 47. She has some fun, like, uh, social media stuff. Oh, yeah? The, like, she's a hoot. Oh, I, I, catch yeah, I her can imagine. Sometimes yeah. on stuff. And I, was, I forget sometimes that she is the burlesque. Yeah. I mean, her whole thing is It's that a character, but it's her. Yeah. yeah but just, just her being her normal self, mm-hmm. she's a hoot. Oh, yeah. Skateboarder Bam Margera turns 40. Actress Hilary Duff turns 32. Why not? Sunday, September 29th, singer Jerry Jerry Lee Lewis is still around. Turns 84 years old on Sunday. I say that. Hopefully nothing happens to him on Saturday. His cousin, what, 63? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Cousin wife? (laughs) Cousin wife, uh, yeah. (laughs) Actor Ian McShane turns 77 years old on Sunday. Damn, he's that old. I know, Ugh. 77. Wow. He looks good for 77. Yeah. Comedian Andrew Dice Clay turns 62. So if you had to guess between Ian McShane and Andrew Dice Clay, which was older, could you, would you have thought that Ian McShane is 15 years older than Andrew Dice Clay? No. No. But he did such a good job in The Stars Born. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Okay. I haven't seen it, so. Oh. Which, you're talking about the most recent he? version? Yeah, the most yeah, recent no, version. Who was he in that? Uh, he was her father. Oh yeah, and he I saw it once. He I was so good in it. I yeah. didn't realize it was him <laughs> for the first little bit, and then it just clicked. He did something. I was like, "That's Andrew Dice Clay." I was like, "Holy shit! <laughs> nice job. Good." I saw that movie once and got mad because I didn't like the editing. But <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. It's all right. Actress Erica Eleniak turns fifty years old. She was a thing back in the 90s? 90s? Maybe. I think she was on Baywatch for a while. And then I think she was on Baywatch. 
<laughs> actor Zachary <laughs> Levi turns 39 years old on Sunday. Zachary Levi? Well, she's turns 39 wow. on Sunday. Happy nice. birthday to everybody celebrating this weekend. Yeah. New this week in entertainment at the box office this weekend. Abominable. But a bowl, but a bowl. I saw one trailer for that. Yeah, that's all they've had. Yeah. Well, and clearly you don't watch any YouTube. of the Nick Jr. or anything like that because when we're in the hospital, that? we saw it every commercial. Nice. And Judy, starring Renee Zellweger as Judy Garland. Hmm. But that's got a. Doesn't it have a like a limited release? Though? Yeah, it's only out in a few the a few a couple like eighteen hundred something like that this week, and then they'll add a few couple hundred next week, and then a couple hundred okay. again, just kind of rolling it out slow. It's one of those Oscar bait films. Everybody says she yeah. does really well in it, but the film itself is kind of shitty. But she'll probably get nominated. Yeah, the wife wanted to see it, so I was kind of looking up and seeing. Yeah, nothing around here. I don't yeah. Think. Might find it downtown somewhere, but no. maybe the Moxie. I'm like, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. They're doing a showing of Mandy, by the way, coming up. Are they really? Moxie is, yeah. That'll be something. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie so much. <laughs> New on TV and streaming this week America's Funniest Home Videos 30th season premieres this Sunday on ABC. That's mm. crazy. She's been around for 30 friggin' years. Show started when I was one. <laughs> there you go. That I've tells been you. Watching something. it my whole life. Uh, Fox's Sunday night animation domination starts up this Sunday with The Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy. What's the new show? Bless, bless this heart. Bless. I don't remember. Yeah. So I, I know what you're talking about. Yep. And as we mentioned earlier, Impact Wrestling on Tuesday night on AXS, All Elite Wrestling Wednesday night on TNT. It's the premiere. We're there. We'll see if they can put out a show. Yeah, I keep wondering, our, on our cable thing, they can't decide if access is part of our <laughs> or our not. package or the next package up. Right. So, like, we get it and for a few months, and then it disappears for a few months, and then it comes back. I'm like, holy hell. Yeah. So, it's on that same tier as, like, El Rey and a few yeah, of those other networks where it's exactly. like, sometimes you just happen to get them, and sometimes you don't. Yeah, what's the one that Brockmire's to, on? Uh, uh, IFC? Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah. The, I haven't had a chance to check out the El Rey channel. It's not bad if you can get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just got to find it. It, it. They've got some fun stuff on there. Yeah. I, I yeah. like it. Out on home video this week. Right now, you can run out and get your copy of Yesterday. Which was a good movie. I, I know. You liked it. Uh, Child's really Play. The Child's Play reboot. Hmm. And Shaft. Shaft. I wanted to see that, but that was one that I was like, nah, I've got you know, other things else to better do. To do yeah. so. hey, I liked the trailer, but that's as far as it went. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I think it's on Netflix, isn't it? If it's not yet, it will be. Uh, probably not yet. Since I thought Netflix out. made it, but I could be wrong. I don't think so. No, I could be wrong though. I we we could all be wrong. It's on okay. Hulu or some shit. It's all right. Now, video games this week. FIFA 20 is out on the PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Anybody play the? I don't do any of the sports games. Any of the video games? I used uh, to back in the day. I could I could double dribble with the best of them back on the NES. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Me and uh, Madden. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah That's fun. Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, new comics this week. Right now, you can run out and get new action comics, Batgirl, Batman Beyond, Detective Comics, Flash, Justice League Dark, Shazam, and Wonder Woman at DC Comics. They also have Harleen, number one out of three, a new, new spin on Harley Quinn. Marvel's got Amazing Spider-Man, Avengers, Black Panther, Captain America, Ghost Spider, Powers of X, number five. That thing's about to wrap up, finally. And the Wolverine Annual, number one, out at, from Marvel this week. And... Other comic publishers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Lumberjanes, Invader Zim, all of them have new issues out this week. Go buy them all. New collectibles this week. So this one, okay, let me ask you about this. They announced a creep show pop, Funko right. Pop, but it's, but it's going to be available in March. 
instead yeah. of now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why not sit on it, announce it in March, and then have it available next October? I kind of wondered about that, too. <laughs> I'm like, somebody dropped the ball here. Yeah. Clearly, they knew they were going to make it. Although, you know, they, all they have is an artist rendering. They don't even have, like, a actual, you know, sculpt, you know. Yeah. So, I, that feels like they're just rushing an announcement to capitalize on the fact that Creep shows out this week. Right. Yeah, yeah I don't somebody know didn't sync things up. And they have to get licensing, so you know they talked to... For a while now. Hey, this yeah. is coming out, so maybe you'll sync it with that. And somebody's no, no. like, no, no, no. We're good. We'll just, we'll just rush this shit out. <laughs> and a 10-inch Tony the Tiger Pop, for those of you that are collecting 10-inch... Yeah, Tony the Tiger 10 inches. <laughs> 10 inches of Tony the Tiger. 10 inches of Tony means something different. Depending on where you're. It's great. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Thump. <laughs> Otherwise, it's been fairly quiet as they're gearing up for New York Comic Con next weekend. Yeah, everybody's saving their pennies. Yeah. I'm noticing for that kind of stuff. New books this week. A couple of big books released this week. The Water Dancer, the first, the debut novel from Tahanisi Coates, who writes tons of Marvel books, uh, has written non-fiction memoir type stuff of course a lot of articles for various online outlets uh, but this is his debut novel released this week and violet the second novel by man of many talents including author now scott thomas which leads us into this week's interview this week i had a chance to talk with scott about his second novel the horror thriller violet here is that conversation Scott, thanks for joining us today. I know you are especially busy right now. Before we get to your new novel, uh, Violet, which debuts today, let's uh, kind of talk a little bit about, for folks who are listening who maybe you're not a, on a first-name basis, they don't know Scott Thomas. I'm sure many of them are familiar with your works. I know I have three kids, ages 10 to 15, so I certainly am. Uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself and how a guy from Kansas winds up in the entertainment business. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I just sort of the, the quick summary, I guess. Uh, I grew up in a really small town called Coffeeville in, in Southeast Kansas um, and went to the University of Kansas. And I just sort of always knew that um, I wanted to work in the entertainment industry in some capacity. Um, I was just since first grade, I was writing stories and, and, uh, wanting to sort of tell stories and really kept pursuing that through middle school and high school and college. And in, especially in high school started trying to write scripts and making videos with my friends. And, and, uh, <clears throat> so when I went to KU, I, I majored in film and English. And when I graduated, you know, I was, I was like, all right, well, I guess uh, I moved to New York or L.A. Um, so I picked L.A. and packed up my car and moved out. And um, uh, always wanted to get into horror. That was always my favorite genre. And that's what I wanted to write. Um, came out to L.A. And, you know, as, as with most people who sort of move out here and, and try to work in film or television you know, I realized very quickly the path wasn't going to be a straight line. Um, and, uh, so I, I ended up working, um, at VH1 for quite a while doing more sort of, uh, specials and clip shows and reality. Uh, and then, uh, met a, uh, who is now my writing partner, Jed Olenoff there. And, um, we just got along really well, started writing, uh, spec scripts together and got an agent, and then uh, one of our scripts that we'd written um, 
that wasn't a kid's thing, uh, but had a kid, a, a child character in it, it ended up in the hands of a Disney executive and they read it really liked the kid character had us come in and, and we, you know, they told us about an idea they were sort of thinking about and we pitched it back to them, what our take would be. And we ended up selling that to them and made that pilot and that didn't go to series, but we just kind of kept selling pilots to them. And from there, we, we sort of accidentally got into kids television. Um, we ended up, uh, uh, creating and running three shows for them. Uh, we did an animated show called Randy Cunningham, ninth grade ninja, which, has sort of disappeared, uh, but will be on uh, Disney Plus when that comes out. Right. So everybody should check that out. Um, we did two seasons of a, a multicam sitcom called Best Friends Whenever mm-hmm. uh, about these two girls who could time travel. Um, and then we did the first season. Uh, we developed and, and ran the first season of Raven's Home, which was the sort of the, the new spinoff of That's So Raven. And um, then Netflix kind of came calling and, 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 uh, brought us over and we did a show last year called Malibu rescue, which is a single cam, uh, half hour comedy about teenage lifeguards in Malibu. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, that whole time I, w- I was doing things in, in kids TV, which is really fun. And I have two kids my own. So it was fun to do things that they could watch and enjoy and their friends could see, but I always loved horror. I was always doing that and writing that on the side and, and, uh, and in my spare time. And so, um, you know, I, I'd written kill Creek about, uh, like 10 year over 10 years ago, the first draft of it and had never been able to do anything with it. Cause I was sort of pigeonholed in, in family and kids television. Right. And ended up, seeing a contest online, the uh, launchpad competition, manuscript competition. So I entered Kill Creek in that. I thought, what the hell? I, you know, it's just sitting here. And it ended up making the top 10. And there was a publisher called Ink Shares uh, out of Oakland that was one of the sponsors. And it didn't, you know, Kill Creek didn't win the competition, but they called and, and uh, uh, Adam Gomelin, who runs Ink Shares, uh, call me up and said, Hey, we want to publish this, you know? And so from there, it was just off to the races. It was, he, he, we were working very, very closely together, um, on revisions and, and I rewrote that thing. You know, I, I would work on Raven's home all day until 10 or 11 or 12 or one or two in the morning. And then I would come home and I would go in my backyard and I would sit with my computer until about five in the morning, uh, rewriting kill Creek and then get up the next day get the kids to school and go back to work and um and then uh you know through ink shares uh i was able to put kill creek out which was uh, you know an amazing experience because i kind of felt like okay finally i have i've sort of got my foot in the door in horror right well you set kind of a high bar with kill creek it was the american library association's top horror book of 2017 nominated for stoker awards it's in series development with at Showtime with Scott Derrickson on board. After such an auspicious start, how do you manage expectations going forward, whether we're talking Violet or anything that you have coming down the pike? Or do you? Or do you just say, well, wow, if we can start off there, then the sky's the limit? Well, I mean, yeah. For, first of all, it, 
I, you know, obviously I was thrilled with the reaction to Kill Creek. Uh, that I, I, it was definitely a labor of love. It was uh, sort of a love letter to to the horror genre. It was, you know, it was a little meta. It was um, kind of taking these authors that I had always admired and who had really influenced me, and then kind of creating characters inspired by them, and um, and you know, putting them in a haunted house, which was great. Kind of having these people who had written about horror their whole lives, having to experience the supernatural uh, for real and kind of how would they react and what would they do. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and then, you know, the, uh, seeing people really respond to it and, and enjoy it was amazing. And it definitely, I will say, I mean, going into writing Violet, it was, it was weighing on me. You know, I, I, I definitely really understand now when people are kind of doing their sophomore effort that now you're out there and people have an expectation. Um, but I think with Violet, we really, when I, when I was talking to Adam at Chairs and sort of, you know, talking through the idea, um, they were very supportive uh, and, and encouraged me to really just tell the story that I wanted to tell in the way that I wanted to tell it and, and not really worry about that, um, what the expectation is. And Violet, Violet is a very different book. Uh, Kill Creek's very, I think more plot driven. It's, right. it's faster paced. It's um, you know, there's more characters. There's uh, I think with Kill Creek, one of the luxuries was that, I was able to jump around to different points of view. I could sort of like, you know, end a chapter at a certain place and then immediately jump into someone else's head and really keep that momentum going. And with Violet, for the most part, with the exception of a few chapters, you're really just in Chris's, the the main character's um, head. And it's really her point of view. And, and that was, it was, I think in the beginning it was a, a kind of a difficult shift because I was so used to being able to kind of use those tricks that you can in, in a book with more characters and in, um, especially in screenwriting where you can sort of, you know, um, immediately jump into skip ahead in time or, or jump to a completely different location, uh, in the world and, and suddenly kind of drop your reader right into a new situation and, 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 uh, kind of the, the excitement of that and with with violet um i was really i just really had to commit to being with chris on this journey and um and because of that i think i really got to know the story on a on a slightly more intimate level than than i think i would have if if it were more plot driven if there were more characters and more points of view uh because it is ultimately um, I think a much more intimate story than, than kill Creek. It's very much about a mother and, and her relationship with her daughter, but also her relationship with her mother. It's kind of three generations of women, uh, so that are kind of anchored by Chris in the middle. And, uh, and then also is, is very much an exploration of grief and, and what we sort of, how we deal with grief, how we don't deal with grief, what happens if we, if we can't deal with it and we try to put that in the back of our mind and sort of pretend like bad things didn't happen, right. what that eventually will do to us. And, um, so because of that, it, it, it is a slow burn. It is slower than kill Creek, but I think it's also a much more intimate novel. Yeah. Uh, the, the comparisons I've seen that I've based on what I've read 
I have seen because we always want to compare this project to something else that you know is in the pop culture or something that's easy. That's the easy connection to make for somebody that's doing a review or or writing about a project. And I've seen a couple of different things that have, while in a different genre, have connected it to something like Fast Color, where it's kind of a you know rural three generations of women and the damage they do to each other and themselves and how do they deal with that. So. For me, that seems like pretty high praise because that's been one of my favorite films so far uh, this year. So um, talking about that a little bit, uh, what was it that was the kind of the seed or the kernel that you, that was kind of germinating and that turned into this story? What Where did the idea originate? And tell us, talk us a little bit through the process of fleshing that out into a full-length novel. Uh, it's funny because I, I don't exactly remember... The, the moment when, when I came up with the idea, I, I definitely remember with Kill Creek, I, re, I remember the, the sort of seed of that was the idea of, well, what, what would happen if you took, you know, horror writers who, who think they're kind of experts on a subject um, and, and put them in a real supernatural situation? And, um, and I just thought that would be really fun to put them in a haunted house. And then there was also the... <clears throat> the uh, the exit sign for Kill Creek Road that I would always drive by when when I would when I was at KU and I'd drive from Lawrence to Kansas City and back, you would see uh, an exit for Kill Creek Road and that that title always kind of stuck in my head. Um, with Violet, uh, I I it, I don't know the exact moment. I think it was really it's funny. There there is one thing that comes to mind which is super random. Um, there was. Uh, a movie in the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, called Drop Dead Fred. Right. It had Phoebe Phoebe Cates in it, and it's a comedy. And it's about you know this about this grown woman who whose imaginary, imaginary friend, friend from right. childhood comes back and basically just wreaks havoc on her life. And it's a comedy. He's right. just crazy, and now he's in her life. And but I remember for whatever reason, randomly thinking of that movie and kind of going, that seems like a horror movie. That that seems like what what would this imaginary friend really think if they had if they'd been your best friend when you were a kid, your absolute soulmate, your best friend, and then you grew up and totally forgot about them and abandoned them. And obviously they're still they were real because they they're back. But what what in those years or decades, you know, of this being being sort of abandoned and and isolated what would that do to that entity and so from that kind of super random memory of a, of a 90s comedy I, I really started to sort of think about what that would do to an imaginary friend and and uh from there it really started to turn into a horror movie or a horror story and it and it's funny because i I say horror movie because I really originally thought of it as a, a feature, as a, as a movie. And I ended up writing a, a version of it as a, as a spec script. Um, and that was kind of one of the things that when we, fin when, when uh, we put Kill Creek out and when I was done with Kill Creek and I started talking to Adam about what the next book might be, um, you know, I, I gave him this, script that I had written for Violet that I'd never done anything with. And he read it and he was like, this is it. This is, we should, you know, this should be the next thing. But it was a much simpler story. It was not, it was, it was, 
it was uh, not. It did not have the the backstory that Chris has. It did not have the location. It, it was really bare bones, very simple. Right. It didn't have any of the town, none, none of the sort of mystery that's going on that is in the book. Um, and so from that kind of that, that very simplistic story, I started to just really try to live in, in those places. And that's one thing that no matter kind of how badly I want to just crank out a, a story and make it really, you know, lean and fast and go, okay, this is going to be, you know, 180 page novella or whatever that's going to just be you know take off like like a shot i uh i have to live in these moments and i have to live with these characters especially i think when you're telling what essentially is a haunted house story uh i mean in this sense it's kind of a haunted town it's a haunted house it's a haunted person story um and when you're dealing with that my favorite supernatural stories like that are the ones that take their time and build slowly, you know, movies like the changeling or the others or books like the other or harvest home or, or, uh, the house next door, you know, uh, those that, that really just take their time, uh, establishing the characters in the setting and, and pull you in until you feel like you're there. Uh, that's, that's really what I had to do, especially because, uh, for the most part, I was with one character and, and in one location in in Violet. And so I was like, if I'm going to write about this and I'm going to care about it, then I need to know everything I can know about her and her her backstory and her relationship with her daughter and her relationship with her mother and this house. I need to know every single room and every inch of this house and every inch of this town and the people in it um, so that it feels real to me. You know, if I expect it to feel real to the reader. Absolutely. Yeah. To your point, there's a big difference between a hundred page script and a hundred pages of prose. What has been the, has there been much of a transition as far as moving from thinking as a script, as a screenwriter to as a prose author, what has kind of been that transition like for you? Um, in some ways it's, it's kind of like, um, it's very freeing, I think, to be able to go from, you know, writing a screenplay um, is, is, is it, it purposely is supposed to be very bare bones. Right. You don't want to get too flowery. Obviously, there everyone has a different style. Everyone has kind of a different approach to it. Some people write much more like a play where it, it, the, the action is very clinical and the dialogue carries it. Some people really like to write visuals and and try to sort of uh, you know, cr- without, without sort of directing the script, um, unless you plan on directing it yourself, you know, they like to write, uh, in a, in a much more visual way. So that as you read it, you're really seeing this as it would play on the screen. Uh, but, but it's always, but it's still very, you know, with a script, you don't, you generally want a feature to be between, you know, 90 and 110, 120 at the absolute most pages, um, unless it's, an epic or, you know, you're Quentin Tarantino and you go, I can, I can make this amazing three hour movie and I know I'm going to make it and I'm going to direct it with a a novel. Then you sit down and you go, Oh, I, I have a page count in mind or a word count in mind, but I really get to kind of explore this and I get to be in someone's head and let them drift off into, into a memory or 
let them encounter someone in town that I didn't plan on them meeting. And in that way, it's actually very, it's kind of like recess. It's more like, I think it's, if a, if a, if a movie is more like kind of an action video game, uh, then a, a novel is more like mist or something, you know, or whatever <laughs> the sort of modern equivalent of that is where you get to just wander around an environment and really be sort of drawn in by the, the unexpected encounters you have. And, and, uh, and solve these mysteries and these puzzles. And, and that's the most fun thing I think about writing is when you're writing something and you don't, you didn't know that was going to happen. You didn't know they were going to run into this person or that person was going to say that thing. And it just happens. And all of a sudden, you know, they're in kill Creek. There was a, there was a moment when I first started writing it I started writing about Sebastian, um, uh, with the older uh, author, and I didn't realize when I first started writing it that he was going to have sort of signs of dementia and um, that he was going to kind of have these kind of first symptoms of, of something like Alzheimer's. But when I wrote that, when I kind of realized that in the moment, the whole book came together for me. I realized that the whole book was about memory. It was about being remembered. It was about what the links will go to be remembered and to leave a legacy um, and that went for the authors as well as the house. And so with Violet, when I really was freed myself to kind of explore these characters in this environment, and I start writing about this town, I didn't know all the aspects of this town that I was going to sort of encounter. But once I realized that the town was dealing with past tragedy and, and Chris was dealing with past tragedy, then I knew, okay, this is a book about grief. And that's when I think a story like that really solidifies. Does something like that typically for you, finding the theme that is going to be woven throughout the novel, is that usually a first draft or a, like a revision type moment for you? Um, ideally it's a first draft, right? Uh, I, I, I definitely, you know, I, I, there is a first draft of Violet that I wrote very, very quickly. And it, and it's, it's, um, not as rich as it ended up being. And I, and I think, uh, I didn't quite know the story I was telling. I was, it was more just, it was almost like a novel length outline. I was, I was just sort of pounding out the plot. Um, I really am a firm believer in, in, uh, I, I have to know the story I'm telling. Um, I, I really see, and this is nothing original that, you know, other people haven't said and probably better, but, um, I, I really have to know the plot and the story and the plot is the A to B to C of, of sort of what's driving you forward. But the story is what, what's it about? Why do we care? What's it, what's the universal sort of theme that people can latch onto that maybe if they haven't experienced this exact thing in their life, these exact moments, they have experienced loss or they've experienced, you know, grief or they've exper- experienced, uh, you know, the, the fear sort of, um, you know, not amounting to what you want to be. And, and, um, and so those are the sort of the themes that once I know that, then I, I go, okay, this, then the story takes off. And that's not always from page one, but I do think it needs to be at least in the first 50 pages so, so that 
if I haven't figured it out by then, I'm probably going to stop and kind of take a moment and go, what is the story I'm telling? Right. Because otherwise I'm just going to end up writing plot and, and I won't care. And if I don't care, I can't expect a reader to care. Absolutely. Well, I know you're very busy. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on now, what you have coming up that you can share and that you're able to share with us. Yeah. Um, well, uh, on the kids' side, uh, if you have kids um, and uh, need to stick them in front of a TV um, so that you can get things done, um, we have, uh, we're doing another um, uh, Malibu Rescue movie uh, for Netflix that we actually start shooting in a few days. Uh, and so that'll be kind of a, we did, the first one was a movie that we wrote, and then off of that, we sort of used that as a backdoor pilot and spun that off into an eight-episode series. And now we're doing another movie, um, sort of with the hope of, of then being able to do kind of more episodes after that. Um, but, uh, so we start shooting that in a few days. Um, Kill Creek is set up at Showtime, and we're still in the, the scripting phase of that. But um, we've been going through drafts and drafts and, and hope, you know, uh, that, uh, that moves forward. That would be amazing. It's definitely a very strong team of, of, uh, Misha Green, who's an amazing EP who, um, did, um, underground and, and is doing Lovecraft country for HBO. Right. Um, incredibly creative person is attached to that as well as, as Scott Derrickson is attached to direct the pilot and as an EP. And so, uh, and, and then I'm also an, an EP on that. And, and so we've all been really working to go, how can we, how can we sort of tell this in a fresh, really exciting way? It's fun, especially after, uh, the haunting of Hill house sort of like totally <laughs> dominated the ha the haunted house genre. Yeah. Um, that definitely is, you start going, okay, how, what's ours, you know? And so, so that's been a kind of a fun challenge to go in the wake of that, which did such a great job. Is Haunted um, House the next the next subgenre in horror? I mean, we've done vampires, we've done zombies. Do you feel like Haunted House is kind of starting to crest a little bit? Uh, you know, I it's funny. Uh, I, I think there's I think there are still um, I think there are still plenty of Haunted House stories to tell, like really really scary, legitimately. I think with a supernatural, with a ghost story or a Haunted House story, more than any other. Um, sort of subgenre in horror, I think you can tell a very, very scary, creepy story. I think those are those are really the because those if you move too quickly in a haunted house story or a ghost story, it just becomes a monster movie, and it's and it's a roller coaster. But you, I think you want it to be a slow, creeping dread, get under your skin, into your bones kind of story. And I think there's always going to be a place for that. Um, I do think, personally, I think the where horror is going, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more fun horror movies. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see a lot more fun horror novels, uh, like like slasher things. I think we're kind of getting to a place where, um, in the next few years, we're going to start seeing kind of where we were in the 80s, where in the 70s we had... Rosemary's Baby, and we had The Changeling, and we had The Shining, and we had like these, you know, very serious, very heavy, more uh, cerebral, yeah. yes, more cerebral, scary movies, and then, and those are amazing. I mean, there's always going to be a place for that, and and a place for movies like Hereditary, and but I think 
Um, but I do think we're going to, in the next few years, we're going to have sort of that more kind of pop horror thing happening. Um, more banana, uh, banana splits type horror. More banana splits, <laughs> for example. Yeah. Which, which, which is, which is a super random thing that happened. Uh, <laughs> we, we were, we, we knew, we knew the, some executives at this company called Blue Ribbon Content and they have, basically they have access to all these past Warner Brothers properties and uh, and a lot of the animated Warner Brothers and Hanna-Barbera properties. And so they called us up and we had done some work with them before and they said, hey, we want to do the Banana Splits as a horror movie. And we were like, okay, you don't need to say anything else. I totally know what this is. You have people in animal costumes murdering people. I get it. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun little thing that sort of, it happened so quickly and we wrote it, they shot it, it's out, we did a Comic-Con panel, that's a, that's a really bizarre little um, detour that happened yeah. this year, and it was really fun. Very good. Well, where can folks find you online, learn more about Violet and other upcoming projects? Uh, I'm uh, on Twitter. Um, uh, my, my Twitter handle is at uh, Ninja Whenever, which is combination of two shows i've done right um and then uh um and then the book is on amazon on barnes and noble on ink shares it's in your bookstore um so you can find violet and kill creek out there kind of kind of anywhere you like to buy books yep, it um, is in the wild today i have seen it, it is today about, so. officially that's right yeah so the that's books? very exciting and and stressful at the same time <laughs> I, it's like yeah, it's like it's like sending a kid out into the world. You graduated college, and you go, just please don't piss too many people off. You know, <laughs> go make friends. Yeah. Well, the book's already receiving rave reviews. We encourage everyone to check it out. That again is Violet by Scott Thomas. Scott, again, I know you're super busy, so I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks to Scott for taking the time to talk with us this week. I know he's busy, as he mentioned. He's shooting a film this week, so it means a lot to us for him to carve out a few minutes to, for us to shoot the shit for a little bit. Absolutely, this stuff. that's a that's a Very guy. Cool. That's, uh, we've been trying to schedule that for a while, and as you can imagine, as you prep a movie to shoot, it's uh, as Curtis will tell you, it gets a little hectic. <laughs> it is very hectic. Uh, so the fact that he took a good half hour to sit around and talk to us is that's we can't we cannot say thank you enough we appreciate Absolutely. it if there is someone in entertainment pop culture that you would like us to interview let us know on facebook or twitter again just search for at pgtc stands for pop goes the culture at pgtc podcast and let us know tagging the person you want us to talk to doesn't hurt our chances <laughs> of actually getting an interview so exactly. if you want us to talk to i don't know at Eric underscore Estrada. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know that's a Twitter handle. Oh my but, uh, God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that, it doesn't hurk to tag the person. What was going through your head when you were recording voice work for C-Lab? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are so many questions we could ask. Or email us your suggestions. Again, at popgoestheemail at gmail.com. Links to that. Our hotline number and more at popgoesculture.com. This week's pop quiz, we're going to do something a little different. Normally, we do multiple choice questions for the yeah. pop quiz. This week, it's an essay question, <laughs> so don't let that scare you away, folks. For you college-educated people. No. Yeah, for you literate folks. Uh, <laughs> so Which here's is all of you. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> As you're probably aware, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of scuttlebutt surrounding the, I don't even know how to phrase this, the potential impact with next week's Joker movie. 
that it may or may not have. Um, we're not here to talk about any of those issues. We're not talking about the role of art in society. We're not talking about, you know, <laughs> any of that other stuff. What we do want to ask, though, the, I think the, the, the thing that we can talk about and what we would like folks who are listening and our followers on social media to talk about this week, can you think of another example of a piece of entertainment that either changed the way you handled your business, went about your life, conducted yourself, or something that changed society, good, bad, or otherwise? Um, and if so, we will talk a little bit about some, but we'd certainly want to hear from you, the listeners, about, like I said, pieces of entertainment that, hey, I used to do this, I watched this movie, it, it impacted me, and now I do this or I don't do this. Um, or, hey, do you remember when this was released, all the, you know, the fallout, the buildup around it, whatever the case might be. So, for example, there's a couple things that jump to top of mind, and it's partly because it's kind of in the same vein as what we're talking about with some of this stuff around Joker is, you know, we had Taxi Driver came out, mm -hmm. and then a nut job decided he wanted to impress Jodie Foster, who, spoiler, she's not interested in this guy, <laughs> or any other guy from <laughs> what I understand, uh, but he did not know that. He was trying to impress her, so he ended up shooting Ronald Reagan. Uh, which led to, you know, the Brady Bill and different, you know, there was some gun, not restrictions, but it made it tougher for people who had issues to get a hold of a weapon. And, you know, like anything with laws and stuff, things change over time. That's neither here nor there. But that's the one that jumps out the most in my mind of here's something where we tied this incident back to this piece of entertainment. Uh -huh. Um we, lawmakers on both sides of different arguments have tried to do that in the past as like a blanket statement like you know video games gets mm. a lot of bad press or Marilyn, violent movies Marilyn Manson Marilyn Manson blame him for some reason <laughs> you know even you know like Elvis could only be shot from the waist up you know on the Ed Sullivan show because you know whatever <laughs> then there's the whole 70s with you know a lot of the satanic panic around the 70s movies where you know horror movies where or Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s, you know. There was a lot of crazy, satanic 1970s movies. Yeah. I forgot how many there like were. Like Rosemary's Baby, which I think, was it 60s or 70s? But either way. Uh, Race with the Devil. Yeah, there's a whole lot. You know, Reefer Madness in the yeah. 50s, you know. Yeah. <laughs> which, God, I still love that. <laughs> yeah. Reefer in the movie. <laughs> Both. That's neither here nor there. Marijuana on one. So I just, you know, is there anything, I mean, there was attempts to tie like the Columbine shootings to the matrix because the guys wore trench coats. Uh, I mean, there was, so, uh, there's always, there's, there's always those tenuous things people try to associate stuff with. But. There was, uh, in Britain, a lot of gang like violence that happened after, uh, a clockwork orange. Right. That, well, it may or may not have been tied to the right, movie, but, but that's an easy mm, scapegoat. Yeah, the yeah. right. media built it up as like, as like, this is what's happening. This is the movie that's out that's popular right now. And Kubrick was just like, all right, fine, fuck it. And that movie was banned in Britain yeah. until he died. Yeah. Just to try and avoid that, you know? Anything <sighs> you can, anything else you guys think of as far as anything more, even more personal, maybe? I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I would, when I, was kind of tossing the idea around. 
I was thinking of like there's funny stuff and, and you guys got real serious. So I was like, maybe I won't talk about any of this. <laughs> no, go ahead. Mine, now I only put the toilet paper on, roll over the top, and well, no, like <laughs> one of the goofy things is like when the movie Super Size Me came out. You know, it's it, not necessarily for the thing of like I didn't eat McDonald's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but we were during the time of that movie. It was just crazy for us, and we would maybe eat McDonald's for breakfast, and then we'd do maybe Taco Bell for lunch, and then pick up a pizza or something like that. And I I watched that movie, and I was like, holy crap, you know, it it didn't sink in because food was an afterthought. It was just something I had to do. To live. Yeah. yeah. But I had all this other stuff and I was like, man, I'm putting all this crap and just to see what it did to a healthy person for a month. Right. I, I know it's silly in a way, but it's just, no, it's- it really made me go, holy crap. And then, you know, like during college, I had to do a report on a movie called The Rabbit Proof Fence. Mm-hmm. And I'd highly recommend that just for, is such a powerful movie. And it's, it was a, something that was happening thousands of miles away from me right. that I didn't even knew what I didn't know it was a thing, but it reminded me that there's a lot of bad and we're not fixing stuff and not that it's our responsibility, but it's right. someone's responsibility. So some of that kind of stuff, those kind of movies are even like silly stuff like uh, the day after tomorrow with all the, Climate Might as well say stuff. climate change yeah. stuff. You know, yes, you had the, what was the uh, Michael or whatever his name was that did the on um, something truth. Uh, oh, uh, Al Gore? The, the Inconvenient the, Truth. Yeah, yeah. Inconvenient, Inconvenient Truth. truth yeah. uh, but that whole thing of, you know, he did the 9-11 one and then he did Oh, you're uh, talking Michael Moore. Michael, Michael Moore, yeah. 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 And, Documentary, uh, yeah. But, but even so more, the those kind of get passed off as a loony blah blah they thing. Have but, a, yeah, they have a political yeah, event to them or whatever. Yeah, right. and that kind of throws people off. But a movie like Day After Tomorrow kind of like, wow, could that happen? Could we get to those extremes and what? Waterworld. <laughs> yeah, Waterworld. Stuff I mean, like we that. laugh, but yeah, that was one of the first movies I remember, like even approaching the subject of. I'm banking on a Mad Max. <laughs> That's what we're all hoping yeah. for. That's good because I've got some stuff. No. <laughs> I'm hoping for zombies or Mad Max because I got some people I need to take care Witness of. Witness me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, just stuff like that is. It's not so in your face like this is going to happen. You need right. to do this, but it's enough to go. Could it? You know, and, and whether whatever your feelings are, and we won't get into anything that right. recent stuff that's come up in the news on that. But you know, just those kind of things. Even, stuff that make you stop and make yeah. even small changes, or yeah, recognize. Yeah, because some of those movies, you know, like, it does make me go, well, let's maybe set aside a thing. We'll put some plastics in that and stuff. And, you know, and uh, just maybe I won't use straws. I'll use paper straws or all, you know. Right. Just any little thing you can do, you know. It's like, well, we don't, we stop, you know, taking our cups over to the convenience store and getting coffee for the wife we have the tumblers that i've done and that's what we use the same right though so we're not creating more stuff and seeing these little things like that just reminds me of hey if everybody does a little bit we're not asking you know right. but you know or even you know with the whole 
you know, Joker thing, stuff like that. It's like, just maybe keep an eye out for someone who's having, and before it even gets to the point of them getting to a theater and causing something, if you see somebody in your life that's having those kind of troubles, stop and go, hey, bud, how's things? Right. You know, just if, if that makes you think because of something, you know, just any little thing like that. I know I'm getting kind of off a little bit. No, that's kind of, it's all, you know, and that's kind of, you know, we, that's kind of the conversation is, you know, a lot of, you know, art exists for the sake of art and sometimes it makes us think one way or the other, good, bad, or otherwise. Sometimes people react to things in different ways. Um, but this, the whole, I mean, there is a lot of discussion going on around this upcoming film release is next weekend because there are credible reasons to be aware of your surroundings and there are theaters that are taking measures that they don't necessarily take with other films because you know the fbi has seen increased chatter in certain corners of the internet that are kind of most people don't go to and you know that you know that's consistent with you know like we hear about you know the chatter increased before 9-11 or any terror attack or whatever. And, you know, so it's just, it's an awareness thing. Um, and again, regardless of what you think of the movie, and anybody in this room seen it, uh, regardless of what, you know, you feel connection between art and society and all that, regardless of all of that, I mean, sometimes something comes along and it does make you stop and reassess. Yeah. things so um we would like to hear from you folks what is a piece of entertainment or pop culture that's that's impacted you in such a way that either it's it's impacted you personally and it maybe it's made you stop and reassess what you're doing or how you're doing it or who you're doing it with whatever the case might be or something that you feel like had an impact on society um let us know what those things are we'd love to hear those and we'll make sure we uh we read those if we get some or if we get some folks called the hotline we'll play those on next week's show that's your pop quiz for this week like i said it's not a multiple choice it's an essay question but it is live <laughs> right now leave us a comment on twitter or facebook again you search for at pgtc podcast the pop quiz is pinned right to the top of the page for both of those so you can't miss them again or you can call and leave a message on the hotline at 417-986-7842 we'd love to use your recorded messages in next week's show, links to all that and more at popgoestheculture.com. I do have one thing to add to that. Yeah. Yeah, I know we just no, did all that. Because yeah. um, they've been talking about it a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, when The Dark Knight Rises came out <coughs> right. and the Aurora hap- uh, shootings happened, I right. remember going with my friends opening night to watch that movie. And we had a great time, you know. Looking back on the movie itself, some of it's kind of wonky. Right. But generally, we had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And I go home the next morning. I and wake you up. you read the news. And it's just like I felt awful. Like, I went with my friends and, like, had a great time. And that's what these people did. And, you know, they didn't get to come home. Right. And, you know, I, I remember just, like, bawling. And it, it really affected me. It yeah. really did. Like, stuff like that does affect me. Because oh, absolutely. You know, if I, I don't know, like, I, I felt horrible and ashamed that I got to have a good time. And you got to go home afterwards. And I got yeah. to go home. Yeah. Yeah. There's and, always, even though it wasn't here, it wasn't you, there yeah. is that little bit of like survivor's remorse yeah. or whatever you want to call it. And yeah. it's, I don't know. And it, I don't know how to, how to process, how to process that. it yeah. sometimes. And it's, you know, being someone who wants to get into 
a world of creativity that like I've been doing, you yeah. know, it's, you know, I feel like there's a cer certain sense of responsibility you have to have when you present your art. Yeah. Cause I mean, art is art for the sake of being art. Don't always have to hold back, yeah. but in some place, in, in some cases it's like, where do we draw the line? Yeah. And that's a, there is no easy answer. There's no one answer. <laughs> There's no, you know, and that's the thing is each one of us, the three of us sitting here, everybody listening and all the folks have never heard of this show. Everybody has lines that mm -hmm. we are comfortable getting up to, but we're not comfortable crossing. It doesn't matter what the topic is. I, yeah. I mean, when it comes to racism, everybody's got a line and it's different place for different people. Whether it's, you know, whatever you're, what, pick a topic. It doesn't matter. Everybody's got a line where they are comfortable up to a point and then they're not comfortable beyond that point. Those places that are on either side of that line that are really close are difficult individually to deal with. Those times where your line is here and my line is here and we, there's a big area in between where our lines cross. Those are tough for us as a, society to talk about yeah. that's where the you know the stuff that we're all fine with is not the problem no. the stuff we're all not okay with is not the problem the places where our lines don't meet and there's some room in the middle or those places to your point that are just on either side of that line where it's like i you know that's the thing is as i get older i've learned that there's not anything anymore that i really think too much of as an absolute, you know, there are times where my line on a specific issue will move a little bit and mm -hmm. it's tough. And something like this where it's like, yeah, it's, you know, we all, obviously we love entertainment and pop culture. That's why we're here. That's why you do what you do. And it's tough when, you know, you want to say art is art, man. Let me make my art. Don't put any restrictions on me because when you start to restrict art, it turns out, not what the artist intended. That's where things like, you know, when the marketing team, the advertisers say, well, don't do this or we're not going to advertise on your program. And the studio gives the notes and like, well, can you do this instead? Because that's more, that's easier for us to sell. It dilutes the art. But at the same time, art doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, you've got to know that you're making art, you know, no, <laughs> very few people that you know the names of make art and then hoard it and don't let it out there. That's the reason you know their names is because their art is out in the public for people to look at and discuss and right. you know, talk about. And so art doesn't exist for the sake of art. It exists in a society and art is meant to provoke a reaction, whether it's empathy or outrage or whatever. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's tough. There's no easy answers on this. Uh, it's, comforting to know that that folks are aware because of the discussions that's going on the theaters are aware of things some theaters the aurora theater where the shooting take place is not screening this film it's totally their choice right they nobody says they have to screen it there's movies that come out every year that they don't screen because of this reason that reason or the other reason that's great. They're saying, and the families of the victims of that shooting have said, we're not calling on Warner Brothers to, we're not saying boycott the movie. We're not saying don't release the movie. We're saying if you're going to release this movie, understand that you have a role to play in the discussion. Right. And Warner Brothers, to their credit, has said, we understand that we have a role in this. At the same time, it's art and art is art. You know, they're kind of, yeah. they do backpedal a little towards the end of their statements, <laughs> but. It seems like everybody is being adults about this. The right. problem is that there are going to be some folks who are not going to be adults. There'll be people. What? There are going to be people who have no harm, no 
harm intended. They're just looking to push buttons that are going to try some things to push buttons. Right. There are going to be some people that have harm in mind, whether they act on that or not, whether it, you know how that relates to this movie's release or not. That those are different questions and. But yes, there folks are aware. Theaters are aware. Um, there are some theaters I saw that are not allowing cosplay uh, the nights of the opening weekend. There are some theaters that even, you know, again conversations had off 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 tape off record. But you know, talking with David, there was something he had mentioned is that they are aware of the sensitivity around the situation. They are being more aware there are things they aren't doing that they might have done in the past or things that are, they are not doing, you know, so yeah, it's folks are aware. The military has released a statement. They're aware people are ready for some jackass to do something. It's almost like at this point, if nothing else, hopefully if somebody was thinking of doing something harmful, just this discussion will cause them to stop and think people are ready for this. I better not. Yeah. I don't know. That's good. Kind of going back, getting off that a little bit, yeah. but things that we'd watched. I was remembering, I, I don't remember what movie it was, but somebody had gotten uh, burns on their legs. and uh, Survivor? They, no. Oh. But, uh, but yes. Because there's but, a guy that fell on a fire one season of Survivor. I remember that. Yeah. But now this was like. That's a, why I don't go outside anymore. It did change my life. That's crazy. <laughs> no, go ahead. Mine's a little different. Mine was, uh, they were, they were like, you know, get his pants off and get him everything like that and the person was like no we have to cover his legs and they were like well why because you'll lose the and heat yeah because yeah, you don't have that those epidural layers and it yeah you actually lose the heat and i was like is that true so i looked it up and it sent me down this whole <laughs> rabbit hole of learning about you know how to treat that kind of stuff and if you are like in an office you can break through the walls in in between the two by fours and you can crawl right. to different rooms and what to check for and it it like sent me down this whole thing and i was like i don't know if this will ever happen to me but i know how to get out of there now so yeah, next time you work in an office a cubicle <laughs> you'll know how to get out of there. i may be there for a lawyer stuff or something you yeah know. you never know but yeah i just remembered that i was like oh yeah i forgot i, I that did lead me down and <laughs> made me think and yeah and that's the kind of stuff we're looking for so let us know Coming up this week in the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network next Thursday, Kitty and I will be joined by David and Jen. Uh, boy, I say that because we really <laughs> don't know who's going to be there and who's not on any given okay, week. So the plan is that Kenny and I and David and Jen will be at the Alamo Draft House. So this one, <laughs> my daughter will be in school, and we don't have her well, doctor stuff until plan is, after school. Because I remember so, two weeks ago you said, well, my wife scheduled that yeah. appointment. I will be there next week. And then you had another yeah. issue come up with the doctor. Exactly. <laughs> I'm scheduling it this week, too. I will be there. So we have it scheduled for the afternoon. So okay. I'm hoping I will be there. What and I need to do is not be prepared at all. Yeah. Because every go. time I'm like, okay, I've got this page of stuff written down and I'm going to be, I'm going to talk about this and blah, blah. Something always happens. Yeah. But it's good because you always send me that page. <laughs> um, we will be there at the Alamo Draft House talking about this week's weekend's box office results, breaking down what's new and newsworthy at the movies and all the upcoming programming at the Alamo Draft house all that and more on the back lot by alamo draft house this week was poll free because it was just david and i and we have some stuff planned we got some fun stuff planned for 
next week, <laughs> possibly. Uh, so be sure to tune in for that. And then next Friday, we'll be back in the home studio with another episode of the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. You never know who's going to stop by. You never know what interviews we're going to bring you. So be sure to subscribe to the Pop Goes the Culture podcast on your podcast player choice. So you'll know when all the new episodes of the Backlot and the Pop Goes the Culture podcast are available. All right. What else we got going on? I know you've got this Sunday. Tell yeah. us again about that. This Sunday, my uh, acting class will be doing a uh, showcase. We'll be presenting uh, scenes. To, there'll be two people per scene. Uh, we've been working all month on it. It'll be at the Blue Room, which is an offshoot of the Billiards. Yep. They're downtown in Springfield, right next to the Shrine. Of St. Louis and... St. Louis uh, and... I th- it's not Boonville, is it? I don't remember. I don't remember either. It's on St. Louis. Yeah. And uh, it's at 6 o'clock, so come on out, have a drink, have some fun, watch us do some fun, uh, inter- interesting, thought, not necessarily thought-provoking, but some <laughs> crazy stuff. Good. So, uh, yeah. Have, where, do you, where do you take your classes at? Uh, we take it at, uh, a, um, it's called the AFR Acting Studio. Right. Jonna Falls is our teacher. Okay. So if you are interested in acting, she's got a couple of different accounts on uh Facebook, you can hit her up there and see about uh, scheduling something with her. But if somebody's thinking about getting into that, then showing up Sunday night for the uh, show would give them a good idea of what they might be getting into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we don't take it very lightly. We right. really, you know, we take this serious. So if you're a person that takes it serious, come check us out. Uh, Jonna will be there. You know, she. I'm sure she'll have a card or something to give you. Right. So yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You and um, they we they, she encourages a lot of our own ideas as well. I mean, right. you can if you want. There's a scene you want to do from like a play or a movie that you can do that. Find the right person to do it with, or <laughs> that, that leaves it wide open for comments that I'm not going to make. <laughs> Go ahead. Or if you, um, this is highly encouraged. Write your own scene. Yeah. Have someone else write it for you. A lot of creative people in class, and I've written a ton of scenes. I've, I've even had one of mine filmed. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Just check it out. You know, AFR. It's uh, on uh, Facebook or look up Jonna Valls. She's on Facebook. Or come on out this Sunday at the Blue Room. Come out Sunday night, absolutely. A couple weeks away from game in Springfield. We've got yeah. that coming up. Uh, a lot going on between now and the end of the year. Geekmas is coming Geekmas up. Geekmas is coming up. Uh, 3D printer, man. Free, free D, 3D printer. It's hard to say. A 3D printer. 3D printer. And um, I, I have to confirm with Hawk on this again because it's been a while since he mentioned it. I think I might be running Christmas movies. I might I might oh, be in charge. Like, I think he, he, he had planned to put a room together, together where right. we'll watch Christmas movies. I'm not going to do the the usual, like, it's a wonderful life, right, Christmas yeah. vacation. I'm going to throw like in Gremlins. Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe not that hard, but like, you know, Gremlins. Silent or, Night, Deadly uh, Night. You know, uh, Die Hard, you know, shit yeah. like that. It's gonna That'd be, be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm supposed to be putting together the panel schedule, too, but boy, I don't know that that's going to happen either. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. Don't worry about it. Uh, so, yeah, we've got... Geekmas, December 7th. And you can actually get tickets for the the 3d printer raffle at game because yes, you can. fanatics and the fans are going to have a table at game we'll be there do some different stuff not yep. sure who will be there at what time yet but we've still got to 
minute what, or two to figure I'm that out. I'm trying to remember the date. Uh, I think it's the 11, 12, and 13th, I Something think. like that. October, yeah. yeah it's the second w- weekend in October. I, 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 I took a lot of go, days off in October. So. Go, go back and listen to the mid-show ad. That's for Dan. <laughs> anything else? Anything else going on? Anybody got anything? Now I'm just kind of trying to catch up on a month and a half worth of work, Seth. So yeah. That's about all I got going on. Well, I was looking at the spring, like the conventions and stuff. I saw that uh, Planet Comic Con is open for panel submissions right now. So if anybody wants to do a panel at Planet Comic Con, now's the time to put in those. I'm trying to remember, where, where is that at again? Kansas City. Kansas City, yeah. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. All right, well, then we're going to wrap this one up. I have been Joey Mills with the Pop Goes Culture Podcast Network. K-Dub. Curtis. Have a great weekend. We will catch you back here next Friday. Talk to you later. Later. Peace. This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture podcast network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.